the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. Hello, and welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. The house lights are down. <laughs> that too. I had to think about it because I don't have an outline in front of me. Oh. The, which is fine. I, mm. I like to fly, fly uh, without directions, without a map. I'm nervous now. <laughs> that would make a better analogy, really. Um, or you know what we could do? We could get Clara to come up with some titles. Because um, mm. I just did listen today to your five golden things with our daughter, Clara. Oh, yeah. Um, was disappointed in you. <laughs> For not knowing more of the middle school catchphrases? I, I think I definitely knew the pop thing. I, yeah, I feel like I, I, feel like I could have gotten the, the um, mystery one. Okay. I didn't in the moment because I was multitasking. I wasn't like 100% paying attention. But I was also like living the whole time like concerned that she was actually saying something that neither of us would. And it's possible that this has actually happened. But like something that is like <laughs> wildly inappropriate. That she doesn't know is wildly inappropriate. We don't know is wildly inappropriate. And you just put it into the ether. Mm. Protecting our child's internet identity. Yeah. For all we know, that happened. <laughs> Are we confident now that we it know, didn't happen? Yeah, I guess we need our our listeners to listen to that podcast and um, reproach us for our lax parenting. Five golden things, and hopefully they're golden and not rotten. Right. And anyway, maybe she can give us a little bit of uh, direction as to the <laughs> the direction of this podcast. Your thought, not mine. <laughs> um, how are you? I'm doing fine. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you sacrificed watching some of the Phillies game yesterday. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I missed the fun parts of the game. They're 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 playing again tonight. We're recording on Tuesday afternoon, so I don't know if you know that there's another. Again? Why are they doing it again? I know. <laughs> um, Baseball. Yeah. Last night we had senior night for our senior. Yeah. We were watching. We were being soccer parents. Right. Which neither of us does very well, but we, we make our attempts. Now, there are a lot of soccer fans, football fans, real football at uh-huh. Liberty Collingswood. I am not one of them. Yeah. So. Sad to say. Our, yeah. Our children. We are disappointments to our children. <laughs> as you, again, you can hear on Five Golden Things um, and and in our discussion about how much we love soccer games. But yeah, we, if I could gross about, could, could I complain about other parents? Or is yes, that, please that do. Rotten, the, as far as I can tell, the level of play for Collingswood High School is pretty poor. I mean, by omission, not by commission. And I get a kick out of parents that shout really technical, constructive things to their kids on the soccer field about strategy and that sort of thing, when clearly it's just not not working at all so i feel like it's a brag on the part of parents to make it sound like they're, they're really knowledgeable trying. about they're trying as opposed to those of us who sit and say nothing <laughs> yeah what are, what are we doing i can here? barely see and tell if it's my kid there my my eyes are going or something yeah but yeah um they're they're, they're tommy tryhards and then i had you like run run and do errands including one that was like something that you hadn't like had already done and i didn't know that you had done 
again while the Phillies are playing and while you haven't been able to sit down and watch <laughs> your Phillies play. So I apologize for that, but that's the context of this this okay. uh, this podcast. Yeah, um, when we record next week, just to say you will be out of your footcast for the first time. We'll see. We'll see if there's any functional difference yeah, at I, first. I, I but feel like there will there. be. The function will be pain. I will be in pain. <laughs> <laughs> Ever the pessimist. Um, it'll okay, be, it'll be a growth opportunity. But let's jump in. Growth mindset, baby. <laughs> Enough with the banter. Jumping in to our first topic. Calling it Story Monday. <laughs> yeah, I have the outline right here. It's keep going. It's a Stormy Tuesday and. Yeah, you set the set the context here. What's going on for you as you approach this text? Having a good time in Colossians chapter one, going slowly. Kind of a funny point of comparison here. Um, Steve Huber, our Liberty Communion director and the lead pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Doylestown, they're also doing Colossians this fall, and he's breezing through. They're breezing through, so I think they're doing six or seven sermons total. <laughs> And Colossians, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. Is there though? Or we might get not? six or seven sermons out of just the first chapter. Or so, so I'm I'm enjoying going nice and slow through this book, and hopefully, one of the upshots of being able to go slowly through Colossians chapter one is that we can sit on some main themes that we've been developing. So Mm -hmm. Jesus is everything. Paul's been saying that in a lot of different ways in Colossians, including here, Colossians 1, 15 to 17. Paul's talking about the immensity of Jesus. And if Jesus truly is all in all, it lets us circle back to the idea that we can live with too often ourselves that Jesus actually is not enough. Right. And what what is making you What's the con- the cultural context that you're coming to, or th- maybe that's the next that's the next topic. I really do need an outline in front of me. <laughs> you don't have one of those How the tables have turned. <laughs> no, we're just we're just sticking with you know, it. Why, why did you write this sermon? Is basically it. what why what is what's the in your idea. head? What's what's in your head? What's in your brain as you came to this particular passage? Not this. Mm-hmm. Not just the past, not the context of what you've been preaching on as a whole, but mm-hmm. like this week, what's going on in Jamanger as he opens the text and sits down to write the sermon. Hmm. Let, let me think back to last week. Well, to put it this way, a lot of exciting things going on at Liberty Collingswood right now, right. including we are calling another pastor. So we still really miss Eric Mitchell, but are looking forward to Angel Garcia yeah. and his family coming down. The, the intro letter. news dropped. Right. Oh, well, I'll, I'll stop talking. Yeah. How many? Yeah. I'm interested in how many listeners will have like that is news to them. We didn't do the proper like drum roll because yeah. how many of us do not actually listen, read our emails? <laughs> I'm usually one of those. I actually yep. was aware of this one, so I did I did click um, to see what what you had written, and it is like it's a good story. Yeah. But do the drum roll and then the introduction. So we announced we went public with the news yesterday that Angel Garcia. Young guy, young pastor, is coming to be our assistant pastor of discipleship starting in November. Wrote a letter to the congregation. If you didn't get the email, we did our best to curate the the CSV for, for, for who got it. But if you didn't get it, that's our fault, and we'd be happy to send you a copy. Just going through the story, and it's been a scramble over these past few months, both 
as we've gone from a one-person pastoral staff to, or down to one-person pastoral staff, even though we have lots of other staff people that are doing great work, and then it, as that wasn't the point of the letter, but we've been busy behind the scenes as a consistory trying to right. figure out if Angel's the right person at the right time for us, and the answer the answer is yes. So all that is to say, a busier than usual summer and beginning to fall on top of all the regular get back to business stuff at, at church. So I've, I've been praying personally through this idea, mm-hmm. Jesus, would you be enough for me mm-hmm. in a season in which I feel, in which I feel stretched. Right. So more so even than when say in the middle of the summer, I decided to go in the direction of Colossians for the fall. It's, it's proven more relevant to my own Okay. spiritual yeah. life and journey at the, at this point. And then the second thing I'll say here um, is that different parts of each sermon come first and not always the same one. So sometimes when I'm doing commentary work on a passage, starting to think about what I could say, sometimes the introduction comes first, mm-hmm. sometimes the basic structure Less often does a specific illustration come come to mind first, okay. which which actually is gratifying to me. I another grouse. I I, I guess I'm grousy. I did, didn't sleep great last night. The uh, sometimes you hear sermons where you'll think, "Hey, that past that preacher that really wanted to tell that story." Yeah, the <laughs> the whole point of the sermon was that one illustration or that one story, uh-huh. but very little time was put into like what else is what else is being talked about in the sermon. Yeah. This whole idea of Jesus of totality versus top off was the part that that came to me mm-hmm. first. The Jersey Diner yeah, reference yeah. of you have your and you have that stoneware brownish orangish right. mug at a Jersey Diner, and the server comes by and asks you if you want a top off. Do you want a little bit more? And if the whole if my conception of following Jesus is that I have my life together sufficiently enough and Jesus just gives me that little bit extra to yeah. complete things or to fill me up just a tiny bit more, I'm going to be prone to think that Jesus is not enough. So that whole idea of totality, Jesus is all in all supreme here in this passage in creation, we'll see in a couple of weeks, supreme in redemption. If if Jesus is not my totality and is just a, a little bit of window dressing, cherry on top icing on the cake. I'm not living in the fullness of Jesus, and I'm right. going to start to have issues one way or another. So that's right. where the heart and headspace am calling it Stormy Monday. Right, I got it. So it's actually, it's like, yeah, Jesus not the top off, although I appreciate a good, like, waitress who is on top of the top off. But yeah. But actually or a waiter, not, like our right. speaking of our son, who, who did that very at thing all. at Westmont Diner for a long time. <laughs> um, not having coffee at all is the is the is Jesus present um, as you take your own sip of your coffee. Uh, <laughs> drinking Cafe Bustello for those that that would be curious. If, if there's a coffee maker out there, a roaster, etc., that would want to be the official coffee of Liberty Collingswood and post Sunday blues, please let me know. Oh, I think and I don't think we've announced this publicly, but since we're talking about coffee and Pat, we're going to make it happen. Pat is moving forward with TPSB merch, including a coffee cup. With, oh, nice. Uh, the mug. The mug. I hope. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
that's a merch is coming a, yeah lots yeah. of hot drops here yeah um <laughs> i was trying to think is that of a phrase word. hot drop no i was trying to think I of like the that. clara term and i couldn't so i just used that one somehow, a lot of but... <laughs> a lot of hot drops sounds caliente but moving on to presence of the lord yes um what's going on with this passage specifically for you Jesus, the Son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That's sort of where we started. I mentioned just a moment ago um, that these three verses from Colossians 1 talk about Jesus' relationship to creation, namely that he is above it, before it, and supreme over it. And it was fun in the sermon simply to talk through some of these different ways of describing Jesus. I've mentioned at least in one other podcast reading a book I, I finished it on monday the the trinitarian theology of john owen a, a book about the 17th century sorry 18th century puritan writer and author um and no uh yeah 17th century so um the trinity is on my mind the relationship of jesus to the father and he's co-equal. Jesus is fully God, image and firstborn, image icon, talking about the embodied representation of one thing or one person to another, and then also the firstborn of all creation. Not that Jesus is one of the earlier created beings, but Paul himself goes on to say, for by him all things were created. So firstborn, as in Jesus, is preeminent overall things. I talked in the sermon introduction about how the claims of Christ are bonkers, bananas, big. Claire actually told me after the sermon, dad, bonkers, bananas, those are not middle school catchphrases. Nobody, <laughs> nobody uses those words anymore. She, she can make it happen again. <laughs> Bring it back. Bonkers and bananas. The a super big claim that there is this being, Jesus, who is God, coexistent with the Father and the Holy Spirit, by whom and in whom all of this stuff was created. And that's, as followers of Jesus, that's what we're signing up for. Right. I see you, um, or I wrote that you were talking through creation of the first verses, then redemption, and then revelation. Those, like, beginning to end yeah moments right no you're like <laughs> did i throw you off i uh, missed it yeah i'm not sure where you're getting the revelation idea the the i think well later you talked about revelation talking about revelation at liberty youth is why oh the I book was, of revelation right. sorry yes i and, I, I thought you meant the doctrine of you're right no yep. and i connected it to the, the end. end like Correct. creation to re revelation yes yeah. my bad sorry <laughs> But you're right. I did the double take for a second. <laughs> yeah, we didn't talk about that. Marriage cues when you can like, you can just get it from the, from the like, way the face twitches. That is, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> the marriage goals, guys, get <laughs> so, to that point. <laughs> so right, Jesus is the source, agent, and end of creation. There's a, and I I could have gone into this in the sermon. There's there's this Greek word telos, T-E-L-O-S, that there's not uh, an exact English equivalent, but telos means end, but not just end point, but a purposeful destination. And Jesus is the purposeful destination of creation and that all creation at the end will bring him glory. Paul says all things in verse 16 were created through him and 
for him. Mm. So everything is intended not to be for its own, but for the glory of Jesus of Nazareth, the co-creator with God the Father. Didn't talk about that that four part as much, but I did say that Jesus is the source, the beginning, the sustenance, all the way to the end of creation. It's all Jesus all the way through. So there's no aspect of our reality that is not created or authored by by Jesus. He he really is the sure. the center of everything. And and tried hopefully was clear enough on that point that yeah, this Jesus really is really is a big deal. Right. And before we get to muddying the waters, the only other part that I'd bring up here from an interpretive question perspective, and I I mentioned my bottom line with it, but just to spend forty eight seconds on it. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Oh, by the way, give me 116 seconds. Those are merisms, M-E-R-I-S-M-S. <laughs> heaven and on earth, it's pair for the whole. In heaven and on earth, everything, visible and invisible, everything. But then this part about whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, the question there and the, the way that I phrased it, hopefully in a pithy way, is Caesar or Satan in view when we get to the thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities? Is Paul reference or Jesus, theologically speaking, is Lord over all things? So whether it's political, mm-hmm. emperors, mm-hmm. kings, and physical geopolitical realities, or as Paul says in Ephesians, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against uh, the powers and principalities. Uh, which is it? And commentators will go back and forth. You can't do this with every biblical interpretation question. You can't say both every time, but I think it's both in this case where um, <clears throat> there are some commentators more recently that, and this is this will not be surprising to you, see political meanings mm-hmm. everywhere, almost to the point of being exclusive about it. So thrones dominions rulers or authorities is only political yeah, current political figures whether that or as we apply it to now but then you can also over spiritualize and say when paul's talking about jesus being lord of thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities it's only talking about satan as as a great enemy but has nothing to do with our socio-political world of today mm-hmm. i it seems like a false dichotomy and i took it in both directions and we'll we'll get into more of those things in Colossians chapter 2 where we talk more about the Colossian error okay. or the Colossian heresy. <laughs> Sounds good. Um and so yeah, moving on to mudding the waters, mm-hmm. though, like what are the what are the the things like maybe you're alluding to the idea of interpreting or overinterpreting this as political or underinterpreting it as that is that the is that one of the contexts you're trying to address in this yeah. passage so in a couple of different in a couple of different ways towards the end of the sermon is talking about what Jesus as supreme in creation means for us i i mentioned uh, Jesus relativizes us politically as one of the things because mm-hmm. he is Lord over all of the thrones, dominions, rulers, and authorities insofar as Caesar is at least partially in view. And I went back to this podcast interview that I heard from one of the authors of The Great Dechurching to tip where we're going in Barban cover tunes, yep. who used, and at first I thought it was a pretty 
inelegant analogy, but the more you talk, the more it made sense. The cart and the horse as applied to Jesus in politics, Mm -hmm. saying Mm -hmm. that for resilient disciples of Jesus, Jesus needs to be the horse in your politics, the cart, and not vice versa. To be an over-spiritualizer, you might misapply that analogy and say, well, if Jesus is the horse, you don't need a cart, or you don't need mm-hmm. to have political opinions or thoughts or mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But then also you don't want to go to the other extreme and put the proverbial cart before right. the horse. And if, you're, if your politics are driving everything, if politics are in the driver's seat and Jesus is somewhere else in the car, shotgun or yeah. otherwise, you might not stay a Christian forever because it's becoming more difficult to do. And I, I played with that analogy a little bit more and it was fun to be able to talk about. And the, the mental process was, Hey, if Jesus should be the horse and our political carts follow, we have different carts. And then I pictured different cars pulling up to home meeting. At first I thought the Western saloon Mm -hmm. and then thought more about, Hey, not only pulling up to the Western Saloon, tying your horse to the post in front, we are asking people to come to home meetings. Most of the time, people are going to drive. And what do you do when you see a bumper sticker that you don't like sure. of a car parked by people going to the same home meeting as you? It's going to happen again mm-hmm. as political season heats up. Right. The perspectives or, yeah, how to find the centrality in Christ as your connector. It, yeah, it's interesting. It's, I mean, it's a message of hope to feel that way because I think a lot of us do feel disconnect when we have these like differing political or whatever with, with say family members or really close friends that we don't, mm-hmm. we, we, you know, like I think humans yearn for connection and the idea of just severing based on a disconnection over a disagreement doesn't feel right. I don't know. Yeah. I would only balance that to say, yeah, it it might not feel right at one level, but it's very difficult at at another level. So, so there's a little bit of preemptive preaching at the front end of a year long political season ahead of us. Oh, why you remind me? (laughs) the, The whole idea, so much of, prevailing wisdom out there to one extent or another is, hey, if somebody gives a political opinion that you don't like, you need to sever ties or run mm-hmm. away or mm-hmm. or over allow yourself to be overdetermined by taking wellness too far to, to interpret political disagreement as a threat or attack upon your person, sure. which I think is taking things too far. And instead of exiting those relationships, mm-hmm. you learn how to live with difference within those relationships that actually grows you in a resilient direction. So that's Jesus will for us. If people wonder, is Jesus good for people to follow at a stage like this? This is one of the ways in which I think it's pretty obvious that he is. Jesus helps you to get along with people that think differently from you much better than brand X, Y, and Z. Sure. And it's interesting or it's a good, like, I, I, I think that moment is not just now, but it is even in the time period, like, that this passage is written, like, that the Jew versus Greek, um, and Paul writing to the Colossians is not, like, writing to someone who, or a group, a people group that is going to find commonality in everything, 
yeah. either. Like there is something in human nature to have divisions. Um, and then this idea that there's a uniting force, it shouldn't feel like new to us to be challenged and called to, to do this or to walk this way. Yeah, that's, that's true. And in that same direction before talking about Jesus relativizing us, politically talking about rescuing us personally so this whole image idea if jesus is the image of the invisible god that same word in greek icon occurs a couple chapters later where paul talks in colossians 3 about how in christ followers of jesus have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image same word of its of our creator so we are renewed in the image of god understanding that Jesus himself is the image of, of God the Father. And this is the first time in a sermon that I've broached this idea quite in this way, where for all of the importance given in our current cultural moment of, of being able to express ourselves to the fullest, on a purely secular view of the world, our timeline of personal expression is limited because at the end we're all gonna die so talking about how if it could be argued that the person had articulated in the scriptures is deeper and more enduring i think it should be argued because it persisted all the way into the new heavens and the new earth as opposed to eat drink and express yourself for tomorrow we die sort of thing mm -hmm. and you know it's it's not necessarily fun or nice to always think in terms of <laughs> the the onrushing train of our own mortality but i think it's still fair to say that personal expression in the midst of an overall meaningless universe is kind of just shuffling chairs on the titanic deck a little bit so should, 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 should we value self? Yes. The Bible says yes to that, not no to that. And selves are valued so much that they endure forever. Sure. Deep thoughts. There we go. <laughs> Any, anything else in muddying the waters? Just to zoom out and then we can move on. The, the bigger idea here, so the personal rescue, political relativization, the, those were more finely tuned points the big idea is to compare the cry of our hearts too often jesus is not enough to that famous quote from abraham kuyper jesus claims all of the cosmos is mine as being lord of all so if jesus is according to the scriptures are all in all that doesn't fit with this idea of our thinking that jesus is not enough if jesus is everything how can he be not enough for us and trying to get us to see that disjunction of the claims of Christ and, and how we live from an apologetic perspective, observing that a human being can only deny Christ with the tools and life that Jesus has given us in the first place. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea of the person saying cars don't exist while driving in a driving in a car right, so right. we're in jesus world we're created by jesus while at the same time saying that jesus doesn't exist category error doesn't make sense but practically speaking wanting us to move from uh top off to uh totality idea with jesus 
ending here for muddying the waters. As Christian thinkers observe how secular culture in the West has gone from the 20th to the 21st century, the line was more blurry and fluid between following Jesus in a total way versus a top-off way because there was enough commonality between Christian culture and culture inside the church and culture outside the church that you could get away with a top-off and it could look pretty total because that's what people outside the church think, believe, and how they live anyway. That's becoming a lot less so as we move into the 21st century. Therefore, if we don't have the totality of Jesus in our lives, there's going to be a lot of holes and gaps where if Jesus is just a little section of our identity and who we think we are, the pieces that are going to be filled in around that are not going to comport and align with Jesus really at all. Mm -hmm. Although they used to a little bit more in the 20th century. So it's getting harder, not easier, which I guess leads us to the great de-churching. Right, right. Which was the, yeah, your introduction, I guess we're moving to Barman Cover Junes, but you did have that as not only the introduction, but the kind of a through line that you yeah. kept referencing. And I guess that also is one of the audiences that you're addressing um, implicitly. What is the, is the people who leave or are tempted to leave or thinking about people who've left? Yeah. Um, we've all observed and have felt it like that's what you were saying. Mm-hmm. The reason you haven't actually read this book that you're quoting from. <laughs> <laughs> Too much like my day job. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tell me something yeah. I don't know. So tell us about this. Uh, give, yeah, they give the podcast sales pitch for this book that you haven't read. <laughs> yeah, I, I recommend that everybody read it. <laughs> the the great de churching. It's it it's by I think three different dudes. I don't remember the names of any of them <laughs> right now. I I could have looked it up, but you know, uh-huh. if you write a book with three other people, the chances of your name being remembered specifically are very low. Oh, case it's in point, their fault, then? the yeah, write a book with three people and who's going to remember anybody? But yeah, so but a statistically driven account of the ways in which people are leaving churches today. They're mm-hmm. leaving churches in in great numbers. But what what's new to me about what I've heard of from this book is that there's a lot of stats and numbers put 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 behind it, which, yeah. which is not my cup of tea. I, I realize that I'm being interviewed by somebody who vocationally I mean, lives I, in the, both the quant and qual uh-huh, worlds. Uh-huh. I'm just qual. Yeah, I am also really. I'm I'm hiding. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. But well, one yeah. So so and some some stuff can confirms things that people readily enough sense and have observed about people leaving churches or why we might feel tempted ourselves to leave churches. But then some some new fun details. The uh, number one reason as to why people leave church, the cor- number one correlating factor is when they move. So not right. this huge yeah. ideological swing, but hey, been busy or moving in this new area. It's like everyone was going to move. Like that's usually just something people do. But like what has happened culturally is that there's not an inclination to re-engage once you have made the move. Yeah. So that, it wasn't. It was interesting to think about that yeah. as the like biggest framing point. Yeah, it's good food for thought. And um, during during a senior night at the soccer game, we were talking about this book 
also in in the midst of shouting very constructive and and incisive comments to the to our team about doing soccer better the another tidbit from the from the book talks about how there's a positive correlation between terminal degree and remaining a christian mm -hmm. so you know plenty of exceptions to this this is not uh, an ironclad rubric but if you have a college or graduate degree, you're less likely to, and you've been a Christian, you're less likely to leave the faith than if you have less than a college or a graduate degree. And this degree. is in America recently. Yes. Because, like, contextually it doesn't Yeah, our lie. context, and, and maybe this is just the waters that I slash we swim in, I, I feel like that's the opposite, where the more education you have, the more susceptible you are to very articulate people that are not mm -hmm. Christians giving a lot of reasons as to why you shouldn't be a Christian but that's actually a minority report among according people that... to this book that you haven't read but... right yeah <laughs> and last thing I'll say about this book um the in the podcast interview one of these authors said that they they did all of the research themselves in terms of surveying, but the research was collated and analyzed by machine learning. Oh, that makes me a little suspicious. I was fascinated by it. It wasn't the point of the podcast. And it, it was funny to me. He kept using, the interviewer kept kept using the phrase AI. And he kept huh. saying back, well, machine learning. <laughs> Just for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but, but apparently it was the, it was AI that, took a huge amount of raw data and formed its own categories as yeah, far as I'm I'm now skeptical because I've actually evaluated a lot of those tools and interesting they're not they're not a hundred percent at the game that they will be in like two years I think but mm. um anyway I was intrigued so we're, by that. we're now both talking about things that we haven't read or looked at yeah so I think we should move past this but yeah, it is. Statistics are all interesting. I think that 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 actually goes back to like why I think both of us ultimately are qual people because I th I think that there is just an intuition that these things are happening, and so like uh, yeah, I I'm I'm now very skeptical of this book. But <laughs> let's move on. I don't need a robot <laughs> to tell me I about what's going on. I want a robot. Listen, on. a robot would make my life a lot easier. I've evaluated a lot of tools and do not believe that the tools are actually ready for proper usage. One, <laughs> one more AI I tidbit. I want the tools I've, to work. I've, I've met my first pastor who uses AI oh, no. in sermon writing. Oh, no. I, I hope I'm not looking. I, I know I'm not looking at you are, him. But... You are not looking at that person. That's um, true. One thing, yeah, I know that you wrote this because... Actually, I don't know if you wrote this because you have two Bruce references, which mm. actually breaks a rule of yours that you established a while ago to like, number one... Don't go one, to Bruce well too often. Yeah, don't, don't Bruce too often. What gives? I've been hard on Bruce Is lately. Just a rule breaker? You wanted to make up for the you you the, softened because you realized that to. I was probably right. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Or or maybe with the Springsteen Symposium in uh -huh, a couple of uh -huh. weeks. I'm just kind of warming back up to my first love. And yeah, so of of the two Bruce references, one was unplanned. So I I wasn't planning oh, on, on doing two. Talking about Jesus as the image of the invisible God 
he's he's not a distant late VHS or cassette copy, and I just threw Got in. It. When I was I in my that, tape know, trading days. News, new listeners might not realize like that part of the Jim Anger story, the like when Steve Huber said, are you really interested in church planting in, in New Jersey? <laughs> right. You like were able to come back with the statistic of like how many Bruce uh, illegal bootlegs you you owned. Which right. Was what, what number at that point? Well, this was in the burning CDs, the CDR phase i was pushing 400 cds right 20, uh, 20 years or maybe less than more than yeah. 20 years ago but right but that's a, it was a lot of bootlegs for bruce that, that's from true someone, from some kid from new orleans <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep uh, yeah and new jersey the motherland and then the other one talking about bar, bar band cover tunes from the no nuke show in 1979 you one love, of my favorite you love telling the bruce stories, stories the <laughs> Uh, Tom Petty was going on before Bruce and the promoter. Tom Petty is the one that relates the story. He, I think he's told it multiple times uh, as as a way of humble compliment towards Bruce. The promoter told Petty, hey, you're going to hear boo the whole time during your set. Don't worry, they're not booing you. They're brucing you. <laughs> um, they're, they're not going boo, they're going Bruce. And the, the first time I ever saw Bruce in concert um, in the late 90s, the there's something profound about being in the midst of tens of thousands of people going Bruce <laughs> yeah. as he comes on stage. It, it, it's it's really an exhilarating feeling. The and Tom Petty said, "What the bleep is the difference?" Yeah, and so 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 I leverage that story. Uh, it's a great story. With the best stories, I'm always reluctant to tell them in a sermon because that means I can't tell them again in a sermon oh, for, for, for for a long time. So, <laughs> yeah, kind of poking a little bit the secular idea. Hey, we don't die. We're just reabsorbed one way or another. And right. th there are different versions of this. There there are like a spiritual idea, you know, the force towards Lucas when there there's this life force in all of creation and when we die we don't expire or we're not extinguished we're, we're reabsorbed into this pulsing energy that animates the universe <clears throat> or a more thoroughgoing materialistic view of we're just kind of recycled uh, hinduism has versions of this the point that i was making was along with Tom Petty, what, what's the difference vis-a-vis -vis our continuing personhood, whether or not we're extinguished versus yeah. absorbed? Because either way, we're not us anymore. Sure. So thanks, Tom. Thanks, Bruce. <laughs> then had Doug Moo, uh, commentator, one of the commentaries I'm looking at for Colossians. Without Jesus, electrons would not continue to circle nuclei. Gravity would cease to work. The planets would not stay in their orbits. Mm -hmm. Thinking scientifically, through a scientific lens, about Jesus sustaining all things. And then just a couple of verses speaking to the Jesus as, as being fully divine and co-creator with the Father. Hebrews 1, using the same same imagery, the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Paul, most scholars think, did not see the book of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, when he was writing his own stuff. So independently, uh, these two authors, whoever the Hebrews author was, came upon very similar ideas and concepts. And then also John, John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
all things were made through him. And then that great exchange between Jesus and Philip later on in the Gospel of John. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So the exact representation image of, of the Father, and that has been bar band cover tunes. You also referenced Kuiper quote. Oh, yeah, Abraham Kuiper. And, the, yeah. Yep. Not important. Also, I think you... You also had a reflection quote that you didn't actually give the reference to, but maybe that was the Moo reference, and I just the Moo the Moo was. You have a copy oh, of your worship thing. folder there. Uh huh. I, I also, think. but I, I so I felt like you said you made a quote about some guy who wrote something, but you didn't quote it or you didn't give the reference because I. But anyway. Oh. And then maybe. The big jabroni is a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a word. That's all. Um. What comes after this? Guitar Slim Pickens. Yeah, anything else? The, speaking of cutting room floor, it's not often when I cut the sermon short on a Sunday morning, but I, I felt like we were getting to time and I would have spent some more time in application saying, hey, how do we grow into Jesus being our totality? And I was going to talk about start with gathered worship, public worship, where come to church with focus, passion, and intensity in order as we sing, as we pray, as we hear God's word, as we take the, take the Lord's Supper together, do it, do it intentionally as a way of letting ourselves be formed by that rhythm, Mm -hmm. which I think is important to talk about. We'll see if I get to it, get back to it in a couple of weeks, but we had, we had a missionary visit. Yeah. Uh, from the Viskies in Kluge, Romania. They did an awesome job presenting. Sure. And I did go back and check my sermon time. I was 37 minutes, which is about as long as I want to preach anyway. Yeah, yeah. So you went long. And Even if you felt like you were cutting things? Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like this. the sermon is on the long side anyway already. And we, had and we have missionaries speaking, so I better better wrap this thing up so I just kind of pulled the plug and jumped out of the plane you're welcome Jesse <laughs> kind of like Bugs Bunny jumping out of the airplane with without a parachute I was like I'm done now <laughs> bye-bye I, I felt like a proper ending to be fun uh, I was winging it on the fly um anything else anything to plug I wanted to plug the five golden things with Clara mm-hmm. and then Scott Flobin preaching this coming week nice I th- unless he's changed the sermon text from Psalm 88, the one psalm in the entire 150 that does not contain, it's a psalm of sadness, despair, lament, isolation, uh, but does not contain an element of hope. Okay. So that's that's the one. Free reading there. And uh, I fielded a couple of questions, and I'll just say this and then we'll wrap up. Um uh, Jim, what do you think about the Israel-Gaza mm-hmm. conflict, whether how a Christian should approach approach the current realities of what's going on and or biblical orientation or moorings, if any, about hey, what do we how do we think about the strip of real estate in, in the Middle East? If, if you want me to do something like a five golden things about it or spend more time on the podcast, you can write to us at postsundayblues at gmail.com. I don't think it's a five golden things. 
sounds that sounds favorite Halloween candy. Yeah. Um, plus Israel and Gaza yeah, War. But uh, okay, we'll see if we'll see if there's anyone to write in. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. I think I just say, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post Sunday Blues, a preaching post mortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post Sunday blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. Do you still do the t- the tag at the end? Sometimes. Oh, okay. If, if, if you're good enough. If it's taggable. <laughs>